are ready to receive. Father, you said that we should receive the engrafted word that is able to save our souls. That means save our souls from fear, from disease, from fear of outbreak, fear of death, fear of contamination. Father, we thank you that we are overcomers. We are not victims. And we honor you and we love you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. I thought I would mention a couple of books. We did have a few people who were interested in our healing devotional. So uh, if you can remember, <clears throat> on the Internet, uh, we are offering a healing devotional and prayer cloth. Um, actually, uh, we've given them out in bundles to people who work in hospitals, there are a few people I know who are pray, who pray, who work in healthcare. And so we have had people who work there receive them, pass them out, and, uh, they've gotten very encouraging reception from people. They, people are looking for something to put their hope in, and many people you know, if if you can appreciate it, because see, we here who are churched, you know, we're consistent in church because we we trained our spirits to feed on the word and feed on fellowship and feed on uh, the things that the church community enjoys. But there are many people who are trying to hold on to God, and they have no training, no teaching, no resources. They don't know where to go to get things. And so it's a blessing for us to be able to put these things into their hands so they can have something that they can can read and they can be encouraged and they can be healed. The word always heals us. I don't care what if it if it's just to give you hope to go uh to the next day, uh they they the word has fed you hope. You understand? And hope doesn't make uh one ashamed because uh God says that his love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So you know by the Holy Spirit in your heart that that God is with you and God will do what he says he's going to do. So I just tell people just give it a day. Give God one day and see how you feel tonight when you go to bed and when you get up in the morning. Give him another day and just begin to uh, take your walk with God just like that. So if anybody online wants those, we're still offering them. We're still sending them out uh, on the page where you are viewing. If you're viewing on Facebook, on that page you can see an ad for it uh, on our ministry page and probably uh, it'll be closely associated with this teaching uh, when this teaching is uh, it's live now but it will be archived on Facebook and you can take the link and, and go right on there and so uh, we just continue to offer these things because we want you to grow in the Lord um, I had the pleasure of, of being able to share uh, the word with a friend of mine a pastor who has a um, a uh, um, really a, a online prayer he has a a, a church and they call in, everybody calls in to the same number and you can talk in a group and stuff like that. And it was just really interesting. Uh, he is fighting, uh, MS and he's got a number of people in his church who are fighting the same disease, even though it's not limited just to them. Uh, but God gave me the opportunity just to minister the word to them about health and healing. And whenever the word goes forth, faith goes out with it. Amen. And so you can notice 
a change in people. They're encouraged. Uh, and if it's just to go one more day believing God, you know, as long as you can believe him from day to day, you'll pretty much get victory over everything that the enemy puts in your way. So we're just very thankful for these doors of utterance that God gives us to speak and gives us to preach uh, the word of God. So whenever God opens a door for me, I do walk through it and, uh, you know, and, and see what God wants to do. And so it's, it's just always good to do those things. Now, if you live somewhere across the water somewhere, it's going to cost me $10,000 and get shots and all that. Now, I just might have to pray about that one. Amen. <laughs> I tend to pray about everything, but things that are, are close in hand that I know God wants me to step into, I have no problem uh, stepping into those doors of utterance. Amen. So praise God. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that you are healed anyway. I thought I would devote this time that we're having to healing. Uh, if we have a teaching by that name, this would be number two. Um, not sure when that, that other date was, but uh, this would be uh, Yo Heal Anyway. Amen. <clears throat> so it doesn't really matter what the enemy uh, says or what symptoms say. We're healed anyway. Amen. So uh, it's interesting that the position that you take makes all the difference in the world. The Bible tells us to stand. Take a stand. Amen. Don't don't take a sit. Don't take a lay down and roll over. Uh, but take a stand. And so if you stand, you are positioned with Jesus because he stands with you. Amen. By his seating in heavenly places, uh, he is able to subdue all enemies under his feet. They are under his feet, but we've got to get them under ours. Amen. And we get it by taking a stand. Uh, when the enemy comes with symptoms, you don't just sit down and take it. You stand up to him. You stand against him. Uh, you stand flat-footed in your position in Christ without wavering. And so it's a good thing to keep your position in Christ. I was thinking, I said, you know, if you don't stay in the Word, just sitting at home, so many people are, don't have work, don't have school, uh, that kind of idleness can put you in a bad uh, mindset. You know, you'll get more fearful by the minute. Uh, you get more concerned by the hour. Some people leave uh, just because there's news on 24-7 don't mean you got to look at it. Amen. You can let them do what they do, but you do God. Amen. You do Jesus and you do the word. And so it's it's always good to realize that God has opened up an opportunity for us to get stronger in him and not weaker. Amen. Uh, we should emerge from this stronger and not weaker. Amen. I notice the people who will declare victory and strength in the face of, of uh, opposition always get put down. They always get told uh, we're giving people false hope. They always, uh, always tell us don't say stuff like that because how can you say that? Well, it's easy. Read my lips. I'm healed. Amen. And you can, you can be the same way. Nothing has changed. Amen. Uh, God has an everlasting covenant. That means it don't wear out. That means illness cannot wear out your health. Amen. 
illness cannot make God back down and say, oh, 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 I take it back. He's not going to say that. Amen. And we better not say it either if we want the benefit of the word. You know, it's not hard to keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. Amen. The devil wants you to change your mind. <laughs> he wants you to change your mind and change your words. It's, that's why the persistent attack against health is coming now. Because he wants us to change what we believe. Some of us are going to have to decide for the first time what we believe. You got me? There are whole denominations of people who tell you healing went out. And, oh, yeah, that stuff, that's not for today. And there are still churches. I mean, you guys are living in a, a, a perfect kind of atmosphere because the word's honored here. But there are atmospheres where people don't speak the word. They don't honor the word. If if they never talk about, if you're going to a church and your pastor never talks about healing, that means they don't believe it. Because we speak what we believe. Everybody does that. If they don't teach you how to be healed. Now, there are a lot of people who raise you, run you up to the altar and lay hands on you. But if nobody ever, God doesn't honor that. See, God confirms the word with signs following. But before you can lay hands on somebody, you got to preach the word. That's what Jesus did. He preached, he taught, and he healed. He didn't just go rushing up, putting grease on people, and watching them jump around and fall out. The guy who... um was was leaping and praising God had received his healing. Amen. The uh Peter and John said, um, you know, look on us and when they lifted that man up by his hand, they said his his legs gained strength, his ankles gained strength. No doubt he had broken ankles or broken legs or something, but his ankles gained strength. He got up and walked and leaped and praised God because he couldn't walk before. Amen. Anybody can jump around for nothing, but when you walk and leap and praise God, then you have to understand that that it's because you need, you have received something from God. Make sure you praising him because you've received something from him amen and so once you receive something that's when the rejoicing starts praise god so i i look at it this way whatever you believe is what you preach whatever you believe in your heart is what you're bold enough to preach and so if if healing's never preached it's because it ain't believed and if you get sick you're taking chances sitting there under somebody who's not a believer well, they say they do this. You make all the excuses for it you want to, but but a sickness won't listen to excuses. Sickness only backs up by the word of God. Now, you can make any devil back up when you speak the word in faith. Amen. So in you ministers out there, if you don't really believe in healing, get in your word and you will believe. Quit, quit getting people, uh, false hope and, you know, dance and shout them to death all the time. You know, this is nonsense because God's people need the ministry of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and he's left that to his church. That's the ministry that we have. Amen. It's a shame we have to call it a full gospel ministry when we say that. That's our little buzzword for what we really believe, you know, but there aren't two ministries. There's just one. 
And there's only one anointing. Amen. Jesus said the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to do several things. Amen. To preach deliverance to captives, open the sight of the blind, heal the brokenhearted, bind up their wounds. Amen. And so if, if you're, if you have the anointing of God, it's got healing in it. You just got to put a demand on it with your faith in his word and quit shucking and jiving and ducking it. Amen. And talk about the body of Christ. We ought to be healed. We ought to, ought to, ought to. We willa, willa, willa if you preach a preacher, preacher. Amen. Talk, tell people what they ought to have, what they ought to do, like there's some fault there somewhere. It's our job as ministers to preach the gospel, to preach the uncompromised word of God. Amen. Now, I don't care who don't like and what devils get riled up, how many religious people get all upset about everything, you know, upset about everything. But use our words for the right thing, to build up the body of Christ and to crucify the devil. Amen. Make hell back up off of people. Amen. Amen. So you're healed anyway. No matter what this earth spews out, no matter what evil report comes, no matter how many infected people there are and how many uh, have died of what, you know, I was listening to uh, the uh, one of those doctors on on uh, on the uh, president's daily briefing, and uh, I'm glad he let the doctor speak because then you can find out uh, what you're depending on. You understand what I'm saying? You just kind of listen to the words and you think, hmm. Well, that didn't help me none. I, let me get my Bible back open again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's good to check in and see what they're talking about, but get your Bible back open. But it was interesting that anybody who dies now, they're all saying they died of this virus. Amen? So what we get oftentimes in the statistics is an inflated death count, an inflated infection rate. Uh, many of the people we see counted as infected um, every day are presumed positive because they've been tested. Presumed positive, which means we get no negative results on any of these tests. That we do. You understand what I'm saying? So somebody is trying to sell us something. That's all I'm telling you. These things are being sold to us. And that doesn't mean run out of your house and don't obey what we they tell you about the quarantine, the separation. That's all good. You understand what I'm saying? As long as there's more infection around, it's always good to take precautions. But inflating statistics, I don't think is a good thing to do. Just that's just the way I'm, you know, I don't like lying. And uh, I don't like exaggerating. And so now these models that they use are being found to be incorrect. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? And it, But they say, well, we adjust them. Why don't you throw the model out and get something new? You got me? Or go back and, and tell them that was the wrong thing and get your calculator back out again and give us something that we can put some confidence in. Amen. And, and cut the nonsense out. Amen. And so all I'm saying is you cannot depend on man to help you. The Bible says man's help is vain. Amen. 
So you got to call on God. You know, even if you decide you're going to go and get medical help, you better ask God about it first. You got me. You don't make that decision just based on one one sided opinion. You talk to God. He owns your body. You understand me? He knows what's best for it. And so we have to to keep things in the right perspective. You know, the enemy wants us to get scared and go running off here, there, and everywhere, trying to get everything. And then you get scared to go to the doctor because, you know, they keep telling you uh, all the beds are filled up. And once you get in there, you can't see your family and can't do this and can't do that. It's nothing but a bunch of nervousness. Amen. So let's just get in the word. That's the only thing that is going to take this fear out of us, take the nervousness away, take all of that away is the word of God. So we, we have to stay attentive to that, always attentive to it. The Bible says none of these diseases that we brought, he brought upon the Egyptians are for us, our, our people. He takes all sickness away. Amen. So you're not to get any disease. Amen. No disease whatsoever. So we need to understand though, but our faith sees the invisible. Only the invisible. We use faith all the time. We think it's kind of hard to believe in spite of all this stuff that we're still healed. But we use faith all of the time. Amen. Uh, anytime you, you get bad news, you want to change it with your faith. If you have a bad job, you seek a better one. If you are single, you're looking for a spouse. If you're barren, you're seeking to have children. So everybody wants a change in life. Nobody wants the same thing all the time. So whenever you desire a change, you must use your faith for that. Amen. So we need to understand that all of these desires are invisible in our lives at some point. Amen. If you want uh, uh, something, a good education so you can get a good job, you understand what I'm saying? You you have to, uh, uh, you're stepping into the invisible realm because it's not here yet. So you got to get your faith to bring it here. Why do we think it's anything different when, the, when we want the things that God provides for us? Amen. It's all the same. It's all the same. We dream about a future or something that we want to see happen in the future. God gives us an imagination to help us make plans. Amen. And so when you, amen, you can put your whole life together with your imagination. You know, we'll say, my people, you know, religious people want to jazz it up. I had it, I had you in my spirit. No, you didn't. I don't live in your spirit. It's like, uh, what was that, that movie, Alien? Remember? That guy was sitting there at the dinner table and he got up and that thing he shoot up out of his stuff. I said, no, I ain't no alien. Don't put that on me. Give me out your spirit. Just be normal, okay? Amen. But God gives us imagination to help us make plans. Amen. So you make your plans in God, in his word. Amen. So when you start to imagine the word of God coming to pass for you, then you can make plans. Amen. When health problems come, we must be careful to see ourselves back in health. 
Don't vision yourself in the hospital with tubes and respirators and all that kind of stuff. Amen. I know when I worked in the hospital, we, you know, you, we, I, I worked on the emergency team, you know, a resuscitation team. So you got to see a lot of people, you know, just, and so one of the, the, one of the guys, we, I worked in respiratory department. One of the guys said, I'm going to get a tattoo. And I, I want to say, what? He said, not here. Not here. You know, where you, uh, what, defibrillate people? Amen. Not here. You know, it's, <laughs> he said, oh, let me go through this. And so, you, you know, you get a, I mean, people have to joke about stuff like that. That's the only way you can stay sane if you work around a lot of illness and a lot of tragedy. But, but we, that was the last place we wanted to wind up was, uh, in a, a situation where we had a code blue. It's been so many different things over the years. I was saying, I date myself talking about all the different was one place I worked. It was Dr. Hart. There was no, they used doctors back in, in the day because if you said anything alarming, you'd have a lot of people upset. So you tried to use code, but now they just code everything, you know, but back in the day, it was doctor something. And so, um, I remember, uh, going to another hospital and I hadn't gotten up on all of the different emergency because it would come over the loudspeaker over the whole hospital, even out in the lot, out in the parking lot, you could hear it. And, uh, there was one that came, it was a Dr. Strong. And I said, well, who is that? I said, who is Dr. Strong? I thought it was a new physician because they kept calling into the building I was in. And somebody said, girl, you better read your manual. <laughs> but Dr. Strong was, was for all the order, all the male orderlies, male nurses, and male physicians to come because it was a patient trying to escape. <laughs> somebody lost, somebody was spitting out their pills behind everybody's back. So if you, if you, they went out of control, that was for a patient out of control. And sometimes you had them in the ER. You'd have people who are coming off drugs or something like that. They would tear up, them demons will tear up an emergency room. Now I've seen it happen. And sometimes all you can do is try and sneak in there and snatch all the, you know, things out that they can harm themselves with and lock the dough till they, you know, calm down. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I said, who is that guy? I don't think I've ever met him. He keep calling him upstairs, you know. But uh anyway, they, they you know, they, they are things that people can use their imagination to get themselves in all kinds of trouble. When you have a fearful imagination, you can see yourself sick. You can sit up and every time your throat is a little dry, you think you got it. You keep feeling yourself to see how warm you are. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, even though you, you know you're not old enough for menopause, you keep thinking, oh, I'm having, getting hot for some reason, you know. And so we have to use our imaginations, especially at times like this, for good things, to make plans to stay healthy, uh, to make plans to stay in health. And, and the best way you can do is give your imagination over to the Word of God. And just force yourself to think God's word. If you can't think anything in God's word, get in there in the word and read it until your mind settles down. 
Amen. Because the word will take over your mind. It gives health to all of your flesh, even your mental flesh. Amen. So we must uh, be careful to see ourselves healthy at all times. And don't let that slip. The lingering symptoms may cause us to lose focus. You notice I didn't say you lose hope or you step out of faith, but you lose focus. And so if if you have uh, health problems that will cause you to focus on symptoms or you have lingering symptoms that cause you to lose focus on health, you get back in the word of God even more. So this is why God speaks to us in a, uh, a tone of voice that I refer to as faith affirmative. Amen. It's a faith affirmative language that God speaks. And we have to speak the way heaven speaks or we don't have good communication with God. Because if you keep crying out for him to heal you and he keeps telling you you're already healed, you have broken communication. You see what I'm saying? You're speaking a language that he does not understand. So he's going to have to correct your language because he's holy and he'll need correcting. You got me? And so he will correct our language and correct our perspective and the way we look at ourselves because that's all that's needed is a change in the way you look at yourself, a change in your focus. Because there are two ways to look at yourself. You can look at yourself in truth or you can look at yourself in a lie. See, anything that's from this temporary age is false why because it can be moved what's immovable must be false you gotta understand that the bible says love delights in truth paul tells us to think on the things whatsoever things are true so he doesn't encourage us to think on the things of this life on the temporary things on the temporal things we are to think on truth you know you you'll get real confused sometimes trying to uh, follow people on facebook and their prayer requests one minute they got people on there, they asking you to pray for them, and the next minute they'll, they're telling you where they're, they're near death and the doctors have said so and so and such. Well, what do you want? You want us to pray for God to heal them or are you gonna tell us what's the blow by blow? And so you can see a lot of times these false things will pop up and take all the attention from what's true. You got me? If if you are really expecting God to do something, why did you change what you asked for? Why would you put somebody dying on there and the doctors are expecting them to, you know what I'm saying. There's some people on there that just cruise the Internet to get gruesome pictures of people to put on there and ask for prayer. And they don't know those people. They don't even it's not even a true thing. So you have to seclude yourself away from some of this nonsense. And, and you know, you're not called to pray for every every 
sick person on Facebook. You understand? Cause many, or the, the runaway children or missing children, then, then they're all found safe. You know, this, this is nonsense. Okay. So the religious are always trying to occupy space with things that are false. Amen. So anything that is contrary to the word of God is false. Amen. That means it won't stand. There's not any substance to it. It can be easily removed and supplanted by truth. God's word is truth. That's the only truth that there is out there. Amen. People will argue you down. I said, why would believers want to argue that you can be sick? Why don't they argue to get you healed? Amen. But they'll argue you down. Now, you know, I said, no, Christians can't have sickness. Not obedient ones is none of the diseases. He promises us no disease. So why are you telling me you can have disease? What do you believe? Amen. But they'll argue you down that you can get sick. Well, I can't. You can if you want to, but I can't. I'm going to go on with God's word. You understand what I'm saying? Well, you take pills. So what? I ain't sick. I'm healed. See, you wouldn't understand this, darling. I'm speaking heaven speak. I'm speaking heaven language. You don't understand this. you just a little natural person trying to get me to come over into your nonsense, but I ain't a coming. So your faith always affirms God's reality. And then I ask people, which one do you want? You want to be sick? Well, that ain't what I'm saying. Yes, it is. Because you have a choice. The Bible says choose life so that you and your God never tells us to choose death. Why? Because most people are in some degree of death already. So he tells you to choose life. Come out of death. Amen. So when we add up everything, symptoms, the doctor's report, the diagnosis, the prognosis, the uh, the uh, models on television and, the you know, all this other stuff, family history, we must still affirm God's decree that we are healed anyway. Amen. When you add it all up, it must all add up to that you are healed. You're not waiting for healing. Amen. Now, what what about symptoms? That's what everybody's upset about. If you still got symptoms, well, hey, what do symptoms mean? That just means the devil's knocking on your door. That just means he's doing his job. That just means you live in an earth suit. You live in a normal human body. That's what that means. This body is mortal. That means it's subject to decay. It's subject to all of the things that, that the earth, uh, provides, but that's not your final answer. Amen. That's not your fate. You don't have to accept it. You have a higher authority you can appeal to. You can appeal to the court of heaven. So when we say we're, you are healed, what does that sound like to you? That language. That says you are healed. It sounds like a courtroom decree. I mean, to me, all you missing is the gavel. Huh? You have been declared healed. Just like you've been declared saved. You've been declared healed. Amen. 
You know how salvation is when you first heal. The devil will tell you if you do anything wrong when you first heal the devil. See, you ain't saved. But see, we're all still saved and serving God. Why? Because at some point you challenge that little voice that talked to you every time you did something you weren't supposed to do. And you made up your mind, well, God, if this is the best I can do, I'm going to do just like this, but I'm not quitting on my salvation. I am never going to agree because I said with my mouth, I confessed you and I asked you to forgive my sins. And the Bible says if I do that, that means I'm healed. So everybody has fought for their legal decree with the word of God at some point. If you if you still are holding on to the fact that you're healed, you have held on to a legal decree. Because what does what does salvation really means? What does it mean? That means for in it means different things to us, but in your mind, what did you ask God for when you got saved? What were you asking him for? You wanted to escape punishment. You wanted to escape damnation. You want, didn't want to go to hell when you died. That's a biggie for everybody who confesses Christ. So after you got that straightened out, you found out that there were more things that you could believe God for on top of not going to hell when you die. Because you weren't even close to death when you got saved. Amen. And so when you understand that there's much more to this salvation package than you have have faith to believe for when you're saved, you'll realize that the same way you fought for your salvation to hold on to that legal decree that you're saved, you will have to do that to hold on to the legal decree of everything in your life. You are prosperous. You have to hold on to a legal decree that says you are not subject to poverty. Amen. Amen. I don't care how look at the prodigal. He went and spent, took his inheritance. So he wasn't do anything when he went back home and he knew it because he said, shoot, I'll just go to work for my father. You know, I ain't got to spend my inheritance. I, I can't live there for free. I'm going to have to work. You understand what I'm saying? And he was willing to do that just to get back into the father's house. But what did the father do? The fatty calf, that's a covenant move. When you celebrate and bring out food, that means covenant. Amen. It don't mean party. Amen. They knew what that meant. When you got the fatty calf, it was a special occasion amen and he said this young that my son was dead and then he put the ring back on his finger that's his money that's the family inheritance again and that's what his older brother was mad about you giving him money again i see that ring you done put on there huh religious people always get mad when you get forgiven you want to make a religious person mad you stand in their face they want to tell you you did this wrong you did you don't do this you don't do that you this and you that oh sweetie my sins are forgiven what you talking about huh my sins are forgiven see people want to accuse you they want you to live in the land of accusation 
Why? So you can't get healed. You can't get blessed. You can't get a prayer answered. You can't get nothing. If you live in accusation, you're just as good as dead. And religious people know it. That's why they're always trying to bury you with your faults. Huh? You're not, you're bigger than your fault are between you and God. Now, if, if you offend somebody and you do something that causes them some harm, you must go to them. Amen. And apologize and make things right. But I'm talking about people who will put a, a, a hanging accusation or a label on you. Amen. You don't love people. Where's the love in this church? Well, it left when you walked in. You scare anything out of here. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know. Now my sins are forgiven. I, I advise you to be able to make the same confession. Amen. Take care of yours. I'll take care of mine. Amen. So in Isaiah 53, that's our, <clears throat> that's our operation of healing that's in us that Jesus has paid for. Isaiah 53. Verse four, surely, this is surely that word surely refers to covenant. Whenever you see Jesus would say verily, verily, surely, surely, verily, verily, that means uh, that saying it twice means that this is a fact, this is a fact, this is a fact. You can take this to the bank. Amen. He says he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he wasn't wounded for what he did. He was wounded for us, for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace with the Father was on him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, what that means is that sickness has no place in your body because it's been taken away already. Amen. It's been taken away. Well, what about Christians that get sick? If they'll read their word, they find out they ain't sick. You can't be both. You're either sick or healed. And see, the great conflict comes when one has to make up one's mind which one one is. (laughs) So, so sickness or health and healing being a covenant decree came before sickness. Oh, we were created whole and healed. Amen. And then what happened? Disobedience came. So the curse came with disobedience. And then what happened? Jesus came and he put us back into obedience again. Amen. So we are healed. We're back to our original condition. Amen. And by legal decree, we are healed. Now, if you meditate on that, see, this is where we run into trouble. Run into trouble with your meditation. Mm-hmm. Sitting up in front of TV all day will get you nothing but what that TV puts out. Huh? It's true. So if you meditate on what they say is going on and all the evil things that are spewed out of that, I mean, some of this stuff is worse than it's ever been. 
you know, it's a shame you can go on TV for entertainment and see people basing each other out, fighting, cussing each other out, and four-letter words all over the place, and that's freedom of speech. And somebody want to come on there and say something edified, edifying, and they get told off. Huh? Oh, yeah. They get told you can't say that around here. That's that's hate speech. Amen. But if we want to say four-letter words all day long, that's cool. Until Jesus went to the cross, Israel was covered by a covenant of health that provided that was provided by sacrifice. Amen. When Jesus came, he was the ultimate sacrifice. Amen. He did away with the contrary parts of the law. The part that we know we can't do was done away with. Amen. It 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 just is. You know how before you were saved even you thought about if you ever thought about God or heaven or uh what what it took to please God or how to be good you know you would try i know i've done this you would try to be good like i'm not going to uh do anything you know wrong i'm not going to do anything i'm going to be kind to everybody i'm going to speak nice and I, and then something happened and you did the wrong thing you did the thing you said you wasn't going to do and you you said, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to do this. And then pretty soon you said, oh, forget it. I'm just going. This is too hard. Amen. This is too hard. And that's what happened to Israel. They were put under the law to prove that it was too hard to do. That they couldn't do it. So the law is not really, quote unquote, really to be followed. The law is to try you and convict you. The Bible says the law was their schoolmaster. So it taught you what sin was. It taught you how sinful you were and it kept you under conviction. That's why people who are religious and legalists use that against people who are free in Christ to keep you under conviction for something that you've been exonerated for. Huh? See, if you know that you know that you know that you know that your sins are forgiven, that won't bother you. But the enemy likes to put doubt in you about who you are, the condition of your heart, whether you love everybody or not, well, yeah, devil, I love everybody, but this is kind of like an off day. See, now everybody nervous now. Because, see, we don't even want to confess to having an off day. You understand what I'm saying? But we live them. We have off days all the time. Amen. And then we say, well, Lord, help me get myself together so I can get where you want me to get and get on over there where... It's all good. You understand what I'm saying? That's what Paul was talking about in Romans 8. The thing that I don't want to do, I do it anyway. And the thing that I want to do, I can't do it consistently enough. But thanks be to God. 
So that's how Christians live. We don't live perfect in man's eyes because God's not really looking for per- perfection. He's looking for us to trust him. He's looking for us to trust him. He's not looking for you. Uh, I'm going to bless you if, if you don't cuss at nobody for seven days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I might as well not breathe, you know, some people. Huh? It's nonsense. Those are the laws that were contrary to us, the ones we couldn't do. So those that were nailed to the tree with Jesus. Now, does that mean you don't have to obey God? <laughs> God forbid. Of course not. But you obey him now by the spirit. There's a grace to obey God, not to be let off the hook because you can't get this right. That's not grace. Huh? That's stupidity. See, you want to get it right. But then at the on the other hand, you realize you have no power to do that outside of him. So most days you're kind of just feeling around for where God is. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly. You follow the Holy Spirit by just barely feeling around for him and understanding. You Okay, well, I know if I do this, you know, God will always bless me if I stay in this little corner. But I don't want to come out because I don't know what I what's out there I might stumble over. So you wait in a holding pattern till the Holy Spirit leads you out. Amen. Into something greater, into something better. You know you dare not step out on your own because you don't know what's out there. So then the love of God constrains you into obedience to God so you don't mess up. And you realize that you are totally dependent on him to bring light, revelation, confidence, boldness, faith, all those. He got to bring them things to you in order for you to function. So then you won't glory in your own ability, in your own effort, in your own anything. You kind of pity people that haven't figured that out yet. That are still trying to be something, be this, be that, be that, be that. Legalists, amen. They have the law still working in their brains. They're afraid they're going to mess up, afraid they're going to make a mistake, afraid they're going to, afraid. Huh? Sure. Devil likes to make us live like that. But that's why I press on the forgiveness of sin so much, I think. Because I know how it freed me up to be able to obey God without fear and not be concerned about, you know, I mean, it depends on how many people are in your little religious circle. You know, how many little judges are sitting around you all the time waiting to see what kind of mistake you make or waiting to see what you look like or what you talk like or, you know, you do this, you do that so they can hang a label on you. And if you accept the label, it will keep you from going uh, forward in God. You say, well, what's the use anyway? All they do is watch me and accuse me. Hmm? I mean, a lot of people quit on God because of, of group judgment, you know, and they don't, they're not smart enough to learn how to fight it and have a relationship with God. So you got to learn. I mean, God puts us all in that place where we got to learn how to fight out of the group judgment 
and come out and and live for him and see that's where your health and your healing is when you live for god and you live above the accusation of the devil and the devil's people amen then then you can live for god amen now i didn't mean to call church people the devil's people they're not the devil's people but people get in the flesh there's religious thinking that rides on the shoulders of most people who know god amen they just think crazy like that and they'll watch you to see what you do and see how you talk and see what they can find you know carnality is always looking for an excuse to be carnal huh sometimes you know people sit in your congregation and listen to what you preach and find something you preach where you kind of slipped off and they happy because you you know said something kind of out of turn or something like that it's just the way carnality is amen and they go around trying to do it and god gets them they they can't well they don't realize he got you too well you said it you didn't give him them permission to mess up like you mess up So when when you're confronted with symptoms, and I call them symptoms because I don't believe Christians get disease. I agree with God's word. Amen. You know, it's gotten to the point now where the atmosphere does not fight me as much when I say that. Amen. Because the atmosphere will fight your preaching. You'll say something and then you'll go away and think, was that the right thing to say? Because it feels funny. No, it's just the devil hanging out there trying to capture truth and twist it and keep people from receiving it and obeying it. But none of the diseases that he put on people in the world, diseases for the world, folks. But you know, healing is for them too. Because you can intercede and pray for people who are sinners and God in his mercy will heal them. Amen. You let sinners come to you and ask you, humble themselves enough to ask you for prayer and see what God won't do for them. Amen. Most of them, you know, you can't just live off other people's prayers. God will put some conviction on them. Always pray for them to be saved, too. You know, don't just pray for them to be able to live wonderful and live in sin. Pray for them to to get the touch of God so that they'll be convicted and come out of their sin. Yeah. So. Because God is is sinless and blameless, there is no grounds to doubt his decree about our health and our healing or about anything else. Because he can't lie. Holiness cannot do anything wrong. So God is not speaking wrong. He's not saying it's for some people and not for everybody. These things are for everybody. If you believe it, you can have it. Amen. People who walked with Jesus had to believe his word in spite of what they saw going on around them every day, if you think about it. But they were focused on getting out of the tough situation they were in, many of them, when they got healed. Amen? Um, in Second Peter 1.3, let me see what that says. Oh, let's put it there for a reason. says, according as his divine power. See, this is, you've been empowered. You're not, when you got saved, you, you received a power you knew nothing about. 
Really, what we're doing as we learn the word, we're learning what this power entails. We're learning about this power and what it entitles us to. But uh, Peter says it here, according as his divine power has given unto us all things, all things, all things that pertain to life, not death. So healing is of life, sickness is of death, and godliness, and that means that anything you need to qualify to receive life from God has already been given to you. His divine power has given that to us. We have to come alive and alert to it now. We have to respond to it, and we have to seek it. So he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, how do we get it? Is it some, oh, oh, we got that already. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Cuss you out, too. You understand? <laughs> I remember some preachers that cuss you out in the spirit. I said, what spirit you talking about? You know, people just kind of. I mean, that's people for you then. What can I say? But all things that pertain to life and godliness through knowledge, through the knowledge of him. Amen. Through the knowledge of Christ. So as you search your Bible, as you understand the word and as you seek life and godliness, you you want to be healed. You want to be whole. You want to have symptoms removed. You got problems in your life. You go to the book of knowledge through him. Amen. Knowledge of him. Is Jesus sick or is he healed? He's healed. I'm in Christ. That means I'm healed also. Amen. And so when you start seeking the knowledge of him, that's when that power becomes real in your life. That divine power becomes real when you seek the knowledge of him. So everything needed to bring his word to pass is already given to us. His divine power has granted to all that we granted to us all that we need for all things necessary for life and godliness. Godliness is what draws life to you. Your sins are forgiven and you're a righteous person that would draw everything you want to you. There's no penalty against godliness. There's no law against righteousness. Amen. So keep believing God. That's how we stand righteous is through faith in him. What the devil wants to do is get us over into unrighteousness through unbelief. He wants to make your circumstances around you so confusing and so negative That all you can think about is what's wrong in your life, what's wrong in the world, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. Amen. And so we have to understand that there is knowledge of God that we have not yet tapped into, especially if we still have symptoms, we still have challenges, and we all do. So you're continuing to seek the knowledge of him. Amen. So our challenge is to put our faith squarely and solely in him. Not in anything we see, not in anything we feel. We must only consider what he says and what he has done. That's all you can think about. Oh, but see, uh, if I think about, see, I can figure it. No, you can't figure out nothing. 
What's going on with you is beyond figuring. Amen. When Jesus taught the parable of the seed, he said a man plants a seed, covers it up with dirt, and then uh, the ear comes up and the sprout, we know not how. How your healing is going to manifest, you don't know. Amen. You know not how. Amen. We always want to think we know everything and figure in there. Get, we we able to three, string together two scriptures and think we got the whole book. Huh? But the secret things belong to the Lord. He says we don't know how and we won't know how. Now you can sit up and figure all you want to and make up stories about how you think these things happen. Um, they happen if we believe. It's all you need to know. Just keep believing. So we must only consider what he says and what he has done. This is the impartiality of faith. Where faith is exercised, his promise comes to pass. Wherever faith is exercised, God's promise comes to pass. No ifs, ands, or buts. It does not matter what we are believing for. Faith is faith. You need faith for big things and small things. Amen. They're big to us or small to us according to what we think, according to the judgment we put on things. Amen. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. My son, attend to my words. Pay attention <laughs> to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They are life and health or medicine. So his word is everything to you. So it restores health. Amen. It restores health. See, that makes it easier than saying he heals. I mean, to me, because if it's saying he restores health, that means that you have health somewhere and he's bringing it back in visibility to you. He's bringing it back in manifestation to you. He's bringing. So he is in the restoring of health business You ain't trying to get healed for the first time. Amen. So restoration really means that you know, it's like, for instance, these people that buy old houses and they restore them. Restoration really means that they have something to work with already. You got me? There is something that they have to work with already. If, if they're not restoring, There's nothing there. There's an empty lot. Amen. There's a demolition that has happened. Don't worry about that, okay? God's taking care of that. There's restoration that has happened. That means that there's no demolition that's happened. You're not demolished. You're not sick. You're not torn down. Amen. You might feel like you got some ruins there, but they there's something for God to work with. In restoring health to you. So God is restoring health to us every single day. 
So we are in restoration mode. We are in continual restoration mode. We are in health and healing mode. We are in in mode of having things brought back to us that have been stolen. Amen. See, when you bring the devil into the conversation, that's when you find out who really believes God and who doesn't. Because people don't believe, want to believe that they are healed, but the devil is trying to bring sickness to them. They'd rather believe that they are sick and for some reason God's not helping them. But nothing could be further from the truth. When you put the devil in the picture, then you have a complete picture. If you don't put him in there, the picture is kind of incomplete. You know what an incomplete picture is? It means that it's say like, <laughs> say like Picasso was in the middle of painting something, he dropped dead. Well, you don't know what Picasso wants to put in that picture. So you get your little paints out. Your, I don't care if you got the finest oils and the finest brushes. You get your paint out, try to stroke a few things in there. It, it don't look like the rest of that picture. But if you put the devil in there, then the picture's complete. Because he's the thief. He's the missing ingredient that we gotta confront. But you're not confronting him on your own. You're confronting him under the power and authority of God. Who has died already to give you authority. He says all power in heaven and earth is given to me and I give you the keys to the kingdom. So whatever you let happen down here, it's on you. Whatever you tell not to happen, it, you know, it won't happen. I'll take up for you whichever way you go. Amen. So we have authority. Can go either way. So me, myself, I, 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 I endeavor to go one way. I'm not going to say I do it all the time or my mind don't wander just like yours does. But at the end of the day, I pull it back into <laughs> God, don't let me go to sleep thinking like that. Let me straighten myself out here. Amen. So you you get yourself, shake yourself off, straighten yourself out, and and get back over into faith in God. Amen. So so God restores our bodies. Amen. His word is medicine. So it says his word is medicine or health to our flesh. It's restoring health. Amen. It's not trying to create health anew. This is a restoration. We're all, uh, uh, demolition would be demolished. However, we fix our uppers. Amen. And that's just the way God likes us. Amen. He'll take the broken pieces. Amen. <laughs> God makes it. He created us by his word. So his word brings restoration to us in all areas of our lives. Amen. God said, let us make man in our image. Male and female are both made in the image or likeness of God. So we were created in spirit and soul by his word. And then earth formed a body to house us in. But we are spirit. And we are soul and we're housed in a earth, in an earth suit or a body. This house must be maintained. God repairs our bodies from the inside out. So he's doing a work of restoration 
and really if you if you look at the fact you ever see some of these people uh on uh, um, what's that girl's name is in she's in Minneapolis and she's in in Detroit for a minute she does the um what attic what you call it house addict or repair addict what does she call herself out i forget but anyway uh she she looks for old houses to repair and and you know when you get new stuff to repair something that's old and and broken down and torn down you can't find the exact things that they made it out of back in the day now she tries real hard. She has her little sources. She got a little secondhand places, salvage places she goes to and she'll say, well, you know, to be, be correct to the period, it would have to have this, that and that, but they don't make that anymore. Well, when God restores us, he would get the old pieces that we used to have. But they don't make that no more. So he has to give you all new stuff. Huh? So we're a combination of the old and the new. Amen. We're, we're, and, and when you start adding new to it, and sometimes she'll say things like, well, I was, it's a good thing I got this because then this will last longer than it would if I got some of that old stuff and put it in here. You see what I'm saying? So this will make this part last a whole lot longer and we won't go through what we went through with the destruction and the deterioration from the first making of it. So really God has made us, when he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new species, a new type of creation. Old things are passed away and everything's new. So he's putting new parts into us as we live. He's not fixing up old stuff. Amen. He's putting in new stuff as we live. When you, when you come into the life of God, it is resurrection life. It isn't the same life Adam and Eve had. Amen. Even though they were in perfection, they were innocent in the garden, but they were fragile. They were subject to sin. He had the, he put them in the garden. Amen. Where all the, the things that they needed for life and living were around them. As a new creature, you have the garden in you. You have all the fruit. You got the Holy Ghost in you. You got the fruit of the Spirit in you. You have gifts of the Spirit available to you. You have the Zoe of God in you. So you've got everything that they were surrounded by. Now we have eternally. So all we have to do is draw from it that's already inside. See, you know, that's why you can speak the word over your body and you'll see symptoms start to disappear. You do it often enough and long enough, they will definitely leave you, amen, and never come back. And so we have to understand that. It's what's within us we need to release on the outside of us to get benefit of total health and healing. Amen. We need to do that. So God formed our insides like him. We have the spirit of Christ living in us by the Holy Spirit. Amen. The outer shell can easily be damaged by the elements, the world, sin, trouble. God plans to help us repair the house, amen, and restore the house.
Exodus 15:26 says if we diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord our God that was our first statute about a covenant of health and healing and it is determined by us listening to God's voice obeying that voice well i mess up sometimes you know how to repent don't you huh i think we all do <laughs> and so uh, we still have that same covenant in force amen uh, it, now it says diligently hearken to his voice obey his commandments all of them well back in the day it was a ton of them but under the new covenant it's all summed up in just one commandment love god first i tell you what if you really put god first and love him first you ain't gonna mess up too much you understand what i'm saying you ain't gonna go too far astray and it said love your neighbor as yourself and what that means is honor people oh hold them in high esteem don't look down on anybody there's no big people and little people in this world. There's there's no high people and low people around. We're all made in his image. And if we can remember that and walk in love, amen, obey the love commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So the love walk be, uh, uh, com- becomes the standard for righteous living. If you can walk without speaking ill about things, the Bible says love speaks no ill toward his neighbor and thinks no ill toward his neighbor. You know, we got to clean up the way we think about people sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I don't care how much people mess up, flub around and, and make mistakes. They're still worthwhile to God. Amen. It's maybe you, you know, if, if you haven't come to that, you need to ask God to help you come to that point. And, and that'll keep you praying for people, believing for people, loving people, not complaining about people. All of the things that we are subject to do when, when we're in the flesh, that'll keep you out of that zone. You know, when you get out of that, you pretty much get anything to stay, cling to you righteousness wise. Health will stick to you. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, put away the pointing of the finger. He said, if you do that, that's a fast that God's chosen a fast, you know, abstain from accusing people. Abstain. Look at, look at the hell that's coming in the earth by just by the power of accusation. Everybody's a racist. Everybody's a homophobe. Everybody's a xenophobe. And see, if if you bow to that, then you can join their club and you can start accusing people too. Well, no, thank you. See, no, thank you. I don't. Ah, uh-uh. Jesus died to get me out of your club. Huh? You know, people say, "Well, they're racist." I tell people all the time. I say, "Honey, don't you know there's worse things than being racist?" <laughs> what do you mean? Just what I said? Huh? There's worse things. They never ask you like what, huh? Because I don't know like what, but I know there's worse things than that. <laughs> but God even forgives a racist too. Amen. See, a lot of these young people weren't around during the sixties when I grew up. Amen. And we saw, we saw dogs being sicked on black people down in the south and all. They don't do that no more. 
That's what real racism does. It, it builds laws that make it legal for you to mistreat people because of their color. We don't have them laws no more. We saw a lot of people who were say they would never let uh black people into the colleges and stuff. We saw them move right out the way. See, if you were paying attention and know your black history, they always telling us they need to teach us, you would know these things. You know what racism is really about. You know there's a difference now. But see, what happens is that people who are liberals start that stuff up again and they start triggering people to uh, distrust each other. So all they do is foster strife. You know, they're people who they wouldn't be necessary if they didn't keep folks fighting each other. No, <laughs> they come in and say, I got the answer for you. And you're the one that started it. Huh? You know, it was kids like that when I was going to school. I'm trying to think it was a, a family. There was about nine of them. Ooh, they were bad. Even the girls was bad. There was uh one of the girls, the oldest girl, her name was Tippy. I remember her. She would, she would like fall and, and scrape her arm or something and sit there and pick the scab off and let it bleed over and over and over again. I said, hmm, let me find me another friend. She wasn't scared of nothing. You know, I'm serious. Now, there are some people that inflict pain upon themselves to see how much they can tolerate. And see, she was a small kid, but she picked that little demon up because everybody in her house was rough. You got me? (laughs) And I remember they would they would push kids up to fight and then jump in and stop them. You know, when they got tired of watching you hurt each other, they jump in to stop you. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what we got going on in the world now. We got a lot of people who are agitating to pit us against one another. So we fight one another based on false things, imaginary things. Amen. These things have no power over us unless we let them have. Even before civil rights laws were passed, there are a lot of black people that prospered and did well. They just didn't let them crazy laws stop them. You got me? You go somewhere where you're above the law. Amen. So it, so it's like that with us now. You're always going to have to fight the world system in order to get God's kingdom to manifest in his way of life to be made real to you. First Timothy says, fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight to use your faith. You're going to have to hold on and not let the enemy discourage you from holding on. That's all. You have to be fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's able to perform. So most of us are in the process of being fully persuaded, aren't we? You know, sometimes you pay attention to symptoms and you wonder, "Uh uh-oh, let the man who wavers, don't let that man think he's going to get anything from God. And you think, oh, no, not again. Yes, again. But you will get to that point, amen, where you don't waver, where you are fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's able to perform. When you realize it's God's performance and not yours, 
that's going to make the difference. Amen. While we're wondering and wavering and wondering about our faith and am I believing? Am I not believing? Am I this? Am I that? You're wavering, but you're still working on being fully persuaded. But once you're fully persuaded, amen, then it'll come to pass. It all, God will bring it to pass. He is a faithful God. Look at he did with Abraham and Sarah. We look at them as our, our, uh, you know, inspiration or, you know, whatever. And, and, and they are because they should be. And if they can do it with a covenant that what's is not as good as ours, we have a better covenant. We need to start using it. Start taking God at his word. God, I can't get disease. Your word says it. Amen. And I'm not receiving it. Now, the devil can try to push it on you. It's up to you to resist it. It's not up to God to not let the devil touch you. It's up to you to resist it. Amen. He wouldn't touch us so much if we quit touching him. Just a thought. Just something to think about. Something to think about. Oh, you mean to tell me? Oh, shut up. Little, that's a devil too. Huh? That pearl clutching devil. Religious spirit. <gasps> me, moi? Yeah, you. Huh? Yeah, you. <laughs> you too. And him too, and all them other demons. Your legion. Yeah, all of them. All of y'all that's in there. Amen. So, so let us just get sober. Let us be thankful. Let us understand that sickness is not for us. COVID, whoever his name is, his brother, they always promising more of him. His brother coming next month or something like that, his cousin. Y'all might as well stay in the word. Amen. They'll come out. Amen. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, that your word is above all. You made the heavens and the earth, and you could certainly shoot this little virus away. Father, I pray for everybody who is concerned about their health. I pray for those who are fighting this disease, who have tested positive. I pray for everybody who is clinging to life. We command death to pass over them and life to manifest greater and greater. Father, I thank you that all over this earth, Life is coming forth greater and greater in the name of Jesus. I thank you that today is a good day for resurrection power. Tomorrow, all over the the earth, let your people declare resurrection, life, and power over everything in their midst. And we have already won because you have given us the victory. And we release our faith in that right now in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Amen. So if anybody on the internet receive that prayer, just pray that play this over again when you get a chance and let this word minister to you. Amen. Praise God. Amen.